Welcome to the Chasing Happiness Podcast, where we explore the secrets to achieving a fulfilling and joyful life. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, insights, and inspiration you need to overcome obstacles and thrive in all areas of your life. Each week, we bring you interviews with thought leaders, experts, and everyday people who have found happiness in the face of adversity. We cover a wide range of topics, from personal development and entrepreneurship to health and wellness. So whether you're looking to achieve financial freedom, improve your relationships, or enhance your overall well-being, you'll find the guidance you need on the Chasing Happiness podcast. Let's get to this week's episode. Hey guys, Ryan DeMint from Chasing Happiness Podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Today on the podcast, we have Zen Benefiel. And Zen is sharing stories to make sense common in new ways with new stories for a new time, inspiring harmony among people and planet. Zen, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here and an honor as well. You're more than welcome. So before we dive into what you're doing and what you have going on, a little bit, some personal background on you. The very personal is that I was orphaned and adopted very young and had a wonderful childhood. I had the consistent questions of an adoptee of who and why. And the one that I ended up on was actually, I'd been attending church even young. I, the question I had was, do I have a father and mother in heaven and can I talk to them? And <laughs> turned out I could. So I've had this interconnection since very young that seems to be rare. And however, today it's becoming available, I guess. People are actually paying attention because they're listening a little deeper than they have in the past. And my own podcast, One World, A New World, features those kinds of people who have been able to access their inner voice and then make it practical and pragmatic in their living and work lives. So it's a really important transition in moving towards a better community globally. So would that be more in line to, and this is just me speaking my own verbiage, is people actually living their passions and actually going after making it a better world? Because a lot of people do not understand what their true calling is and then trying to make it an impact in the world. And this is funny, this is one of the most consistent experiences of people when they're younger. They just want to fit in, right? And so these advanced or different abilities, skill sets, what have you, they're often on the fringe when you're younger because they don't know how to talk about it. When they share, people say, oh, you're a little weird. And nonlinear thinkers today are really finding a way to present their way of considering problem solving, for one, in looking at how things can be done differently from a more centered, balanced, harmonic place. So I guess the next, we're just going down rabbit holes already. We're starting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, you've got, that's you've got my life, right? Do it. So how has the internet and technology impacted young individuals and being able to, now, I, I guess my question is, because I hear this from my podcast that, People are like, I want to be like you. And I'm like, I'm going after my passions. It's been 10 years. I'm still trying to figure out who I am. There's a lot of things I still work on a daily basis. But I know this, technology is a great tool, but it's a double-edged sword. And it hurts a lot of our younger individuals in upcoming generations because they think if you put out a video on social media, you're going to become instant overnight success. And that's not true what life is about. I'll be 66 too, and I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, 
I have a much better foundation for exploring that now, because as we grow, as we mature, we're, we live in two worlds. We live inside and we live outside. You usually get stuck in the outside and forget about the inside and lose half of the awareness that we need in order to balance those two worlds. So well, one of my early shows, uh, One World, back in the 90s, I explored that very theme with a lot of individuals. I think I had almost 200 guests and we explored what made them afraid, angry, ignorant, and immobile and unable to achieve their dreams. And then most importantly, what their fears were and how they overcame them. Hmm. I like that. And that's still very alive today because that is a huge mm-hmm. problem that most people have. Until you actually sit down and figure out what truly makes you happy in your passions, you're not really living life. And the only way I know to describe it is through failure. And I was 20, I was in corporate America for 25 years and I got a bug to say, I need to go do something different. And I had two failed businesses before I found out my calling and podcasting is one. We're in the affordable housing space. We build new homes for people. We have a nonprofit that helps people with financial literacy. But then there's this nether calling that is starting to hit me and I'm trying to figure it out. And this is all new. I haven't even shared this on an episode yet is we have a bunch of people in the United States that want to buy homes that can't afford them or have been left behind from the system, the financial system. Right. And don't feel like anybody is going to give them the time or effort to be able to become a homeowner. So I'm trying to figure out how to scratch that itch and help people like that. And I've got some ideas, but I'm working on it. But that's just another thing of evolution in life and and figuring things out. I'm happier helping people than when it actually benefits me. Absolutely. That there's a sense that comes with that. One of the things I say is we can't think our way through a system built on vibration. We're finding out now creations built on vibration, right? We have to sense our way through that. So that's a whole different series of questions. And then being able to listen, perceive, receive all of the information that we get back as feedback from asking that question. And there is a a myriad of worlds that offer that feedback. You asked a question about AI and the, or technology in general. We could go down the AI route too. I had that conversation the other day. That that's just a rabbit. That's a big rabbit hole. (laughs) And I think in, as we move forward, people are going to have honor and respect for each other to actually build in safe. Ultimately we do care about each other. And the only reason we don't is because of fear that we're going to lose something. And so we try to protect ourselves. And so that's becoming a little less important as we grow as a global community and are able to take care of each other. Systems aren't quite in place yet. There's been a major transition over the last half century in being able to do that. Now with the technology and the younger generation, I was walking a, a, around a mall here. Oh gosh, it's been a couple of years ago. And there was a table of teenagers all sitting around with some adults as well all sitting around on their phone. (laughs) I laugh. I'm sorry. That happens every day. I get that. Right. But I, rather than just looking at it and musing over it, I actually walked over and said, Hey, do you guys ever talk to each other? Come on. Here's multi-generations happening right here. And you've got valuable discussions to have. Why do you waste your time on the phone? Or are you actually texting each other? And of course, you had a big laugh and really no response, just rolled eyes. And this is just how it is what we're doing right now. That really 
is a bit disturbing in that it separates that face-to-face spirit-to-spirit, if you will, acknowledgement of each other and building those relationships in person rather than virtually. Now, that's one aspect. Now, the flip side of that virtual relationship building, we're an example of that, right? The fact that you and I are talking, we've built a relationship in the virtual world first. Now Mm -hmm. we're face-to-face. And another LinkedIn probably is the greatest platform that, that provides that kind of connection. Then there's also these virtual groups that popped up during the pandemic that said, hey, wait a minute, we don't like what's going on and we're going to make an effort to change that and begin seeking each other out and building community online in various places and shapes. And then taking that to the next step of, okay, what, what can we do together? How can we work together better? What are the skill sets we have? How do we share those? What are the things that need to be done and how... Can we apply our skill sets to them? And those kinds of conversations in a myriad of industries. So then across industries. So I find that kind of both hopeful, encouraging, inspiring, and daunting. Because here's this whole new environment that we really only had a decade and a half, maybe, of experience with that has been morphing, even with Moore's Law, right? There's this constant upgrade. And speed that's getting less and technology that's growing, the virtual experience now. I remember years ago, I had a friend that was working with JPL, Jet Propulsion Labs, yeah, in the software to compress video signal and send it across Twisted Pair. Now, for your audience, who, those who don't recognize Twisted Pair, those are the original hardline phone lines that you have and still do in your homes. That no one ever uses anymore because I can't, I don't, I don't know how many, I don't know very many people that have a landline ever or still, I should say, um, God, that just makes me think about it. Think about this, where technology has gone. Remember when landlines were the thing and call waiting came in Mm. and it became a part of technology. But then when we were upset with somebody, what did we do? We took the receiver or the handheld off the receiver and put it on and then left it as a fast, busy signal. And that was how we ignored somebody. And now today it's technology is you throw it up on social media and look what, I mean, it's just, I know it's evolved, but, but look what, to the extent it is involved or evolved, I should say. It gives us my perspective. And that is that we get to see how things are, not how we believe them to be, but how people are actually interacting with each other on a variety yeah. of scales. Well, it but gives learning a potential of learning a boost, right? However, people with various personalities and characteristics and things like that, they're going to be who they are regardless of where they are. This is one of the things that I yeah. learned from T. Harbecker years ago. He said, oh, it's what you do anywhere. You do everywhere. And so these patterns, habits, and things that we don't recognize within ourselves, but we do them everywhere until somebody says, hey, wait a minute, how come you're doing, right? (laughs) Until people start calling each other out. But unfortunately, social media and technology has created a way to where we're not face-to-face and we have people that are online that bully and do things that they wouldn't do in person normally because they can get away with it. And like you said, until they're held accountable, it doesn't, it, it, it causes, I honestly yeah. think the same people would do it in person, given the opportunity. 
Potentially, but I think within the in-person, it just is a different stance. I don't know how to describe it because I can have people that follow my podcast or I put social media posts out. I guarantee you if they met me in person, they would not tell me the exact same thing because I, I have some people that I talk about some pretty harsh things on my social media posts about being healthy and being open mm -hmm. and honest about who you are. And it's okay to disagree. People think I'm crazy because of that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's one I, of the I don't, don't hate are, you. Yeah. You know, that's one of the premises of Live and Let Live, Global Peace Movement and Foundation. Yeah. I'm now executive director of as of a year this month. And so the two principles we have, live and let live, pretty simple phrase, right? Really sounds sticky. Live is you have the right to live your life however you so choose and nobody has the yeah. right you have, right? The yeah. let live, now that's a moral principle. Now the legal principle, the let live side of it is don't be an aggressor, don't aggress, right? And we seek to actually calibrate the law over time to remove all aggressive opportunities in it, which there are plenty from individual to government levels, right? So this is something nobody else is doing. And yet this is the very core of where it needs to take place because laws are how we operate globally. And with the dynamic world we live in today, from a political standpoint, we're so polarized and being able to bring people back into the middle and be able to have healthy conversations to disagree is okay. But I think that's how, not how, we've gotten away from that because of technology. The pandemic pushed yeah, that over the top. We've forgotten the basic human communication skills yes. of being in a, or creating a psychologically safe and intellectually humble environment in which to have those discussions. Yes. Or you can share, you don't have, you can feel like you can be vulnerable, raw, real, and not have people take it personally because they might disagree or get triggered by a particular word or phrase that you use. And yeah. instead of that, it creates the opportunity for further inquiry. Hey, could, I don't quite understand what you just said. Could you say that in another way? Because I'm not sure I'm understanding you correctly, right? Because that trigger is usually something within the listener person speaking. So how do you bring that out and have a discussion about, okay, why was that trigger there? And how can we resolve that? Because it really didn't need to be. But you just said something that's very key that we don't talk about. You said, listen, we all, we talk about hearing and people don't understand the difference between hearing and listening and how that cognitive, excuse me, cognitive space in your head works. I can hear what you say. Easy yeah. to say, right? well, yeah. when you get talking about brain chemistry and stuff, the words get pretty long. Yeah. When you hear somebody, it's going in one ear and out the other. But when you're actually listening, you're actually digesting it and you're able to have an emotional response. And then you have to be able to control that emotional response. We don't do a lot of listening nowadays. Not only does it go in one ear and out the other from a hearing perspective, we're just waiting so we can speak in most yeah. cases. Right. There's very little, and it's like those trigger words, right? We listen for things that we can argue with. Yeah. And that's that. we can absorb and feel some harmony or, or a sense of resonance. Who was yes. Matthias DeMott? I don't know if you're familiar with him. He had no. an interview with Tucker Carlson. This has been several months ago. And it was about how the 
mainstream media is basically crafting a false narrative in a lot of different respects and manipulating the population as a result. Now, what he brought out was that really what we seek is empathic resonance. And so that's a sense of feeling close, resonant, harm in harmony with or person or phraseology or something like that, or even just a concept that just sounds like it's true. Mm -hmm. Sense it in your body. Yeah. Our body instruments. Exactly. That's that vibration I was talking to you about of being able to sense our way through creation rather than think our way. That's the listening, sensing part of it, where we can respond from that internal, who was a Kaidi. Kaidi was an old friend of mine. He was the original Wofat on Hawaii Five-O. He ran a Taoist. Oh, he was the cool. rector for a Taoist sanctuary here in Tempe for a number of years. So he said to me, it's, from a Taoist perspective, things are either desirable or undesirable. And that we seek that comfort within our experience that then takes us to a new level of understanding and being able to work with others from that perspective. And that seems to be what's happening as people evolve and they start, and it happens just like at a spiritual awakening at 18, the psychiatrist that my parents sent me to at the time, the most, what I had first, he identified it as a spiritual awakening that I wasn't crazy. And then he said, most people don't have that until their mid forties, if they're ever doing well at the time, I didn't understand that. And it wasn't until my mid forties is okay. It's empty nesting, career change, having the enough wisdom in your life that you can start asking the more intimate questions about who you are, what you are, what you're here for, and have the skill set then to carry that kind of direction out such as you have, right? The skill set that you develop then allows you to link up or tune into that internal passion that you have that you just spoke of about being able to serve humanity in a better way. Yeah. And had you not developed the skill set, which you may or may not rec- have recognized as you were building it, it came in the form of failures and learning and things like that. Failures aren't necessarily so, right? We have to learn things and generally we don't learn them unless we feel like somehow we've made a mistake. Realize that all of these things are set in our path and they really aren't mistakes. They're just learning processes that we couldn't have otherwise. And we build upon those. The thing is, we don't give up. That's the key. Let's, before we go there, but we got to talk about not giving up, but failure. Failure is a four-letter word across the board. Change is a four-letter word. I don't get that. And that's a question I want to ask you is, Why have we become a society that failure is such a bad thing? It's not. Like you said, it's learning blocks. And even in my darkest moments when I wanted to give up, I'm $100,000 in debt and I don't know what I'm going to do. I never had the thought of, oh, failure is crappy. I'm a horrible person. No, I try to figure it out. I wanted to know why, but then that's when in, in a moment that I didn't ask, I started to ask the why. But then I found out that it has to be a lesson. There was a lesson in there for me to learn, and I didn't know what it was yet. And that started my journey. Um, The insight, right? Yeah. The internal processing 
that we generally don't go through because we, we turn to self-deprecation as opposed mm -hmm. to self-analysis. There's a huge yeah. difference between those two places. And you are not your body, your work, your skill set, or your accomplishments, right? You're an energy being that has choices. Yeah. And we fail to recognize that because of the general programming that we've received as a society across the religious realms, as well as some of the educational structures. Oh, you're, you don't get the grades, so you feel like you're dumb. Yep. You may have a different learning style, that particular skill or that particular effort or program or whatever it is, just doesn't really fit you, right? And so we don't have these, one of the things I did, a little sidebar is I taught high school for six or seven years in various environments. And then I wrote a business plan that focused on holistic education, because the one thing I found missing in education was the development of the spirit in the body, right? The understanding, the willingness, and it had nothing to do with religion. It had to do with the mind, body, spirit complex that we all know we have. Mm -hmm put all kinds of different labels on it, but there's this trinity, if you will, of activity that has to be integrated. And our existing educational system had not proceeded in that way because there were too many conflicts between religion and spirituality. Now, spirituality is not a bad word or four-letter word to some that may be. It just means how everything is connected. Right. And all of this energy now with quantum physics, we're showing that there is really no material world. It's all a matter of energy flowing in patterns and habits and systems and all those kinds of things. It appears to be physical and we feel it as physical because that's our belief system. So how did that go when you, after you, you spent your time teaching, you put that paper together. What was the end result? How, did you actually present it to some yeah, type I, of board or where, what did you do? I took it to the head of the Child Protective Services Educational Program for Arizona. Okay. And he responded, Zen, I love it. You're light years ahead of us. I don't know if we'll ever catch up. Wow. That's a horrible response. Yes and no. Right. Yes in that. Oh my God, we're not, it's going to take that long and no, in that he saw the value. Now, 20 years later, I got the opportunity to present the same concept to a global virtual gathering of regenerative community building part-timing. It took me, the timing's everything. And sometimes yeah. the timing is not our own. We want yeah. to have things and create and do and have it on a schedule and have those details and those dates locked in. The universe may not want that, right? Yeah. There may be some other things in fall. And so the sooner we learn that everything is a process and it has its own time frame, then we can step back and just question, okay, now what can I do today? What is What can I do in this moment that will move the needle toward what I want to accomplish and be happy with that? because it is incremental and there are steps to everything. And yet anything is possible when you can understand components within it 
and then back that out in some kind of a strategic plan to achieve it. Do you think that we've lost a direction or focus on that? Because I can tell you from well, at least are at it. There, are, there have been a few who have had the insight and understanding to have that awareness and observation of the outer world from an inner perspective and been able to develop systems and companies and organizations and so on and so forth. However, that's been rare until I believe the silver lining of the pandemic is that it gets people, it got people to go inside, question who they were with the obsession on self-hygiene and sequestration. Mm -hmm. And that over that period of time, right, this is going to, once that happens, it's an accelerated learning process. However, it's still going to take time and it could take five years. It could take 10 years. It could take the rest of your life to fully integrate who you are and to question yourself deep enough to figure out you are a co-creator in this world and that others can help in that process. We're not islands right amongst each other. We actually have connecting land underneath the water. And so being able to achieve takes that kind of understanding and a willingness to ask for help. First of all, have your plans in the kind of order that it's going to be the black and white process, right? Where it makes sense on paper, and then you put it into practice in the physical world with others in order to develop whatever structure is necessary, be it a team or an organization to fulfill that purpose. So how I, I love the planning, but from a perspective that I see on a daily basis through our nonprofit, when we do financial coaching for individuals, like you said before, the schooling, the, our educational system has left people behind and they really have been left behind on the financial front. It's horrible at times with what I see. I don't know about the rest of the world, but in America, yes. Now my wife's from St. Petersburg, Russia. The yeah. educational system's totally different. They take a child and they assess them at five years old as to what their skill set is, what their proclivities are, what their natural tendencies and curiosity is toward. And then they nurture that clear through until they graduate from college or a conservatory. Now, she was a pianist. She started very young. She went through conservatory and she became a piano pedagogue. It means not only does she teach piano and music theory, she also understands and was trained in the history and the, ed and the literature and all of the things, the entire environment around those compositions and those composers, which is far more than I, now I'm not music programs here in the States. However, that kind of nurturing through the educational system, as well as getting all the reading, writing, arithmetic along with that, but the robust education that those guys get, it's no wonder that they, that we perceive them as being overbearing because they're pretty confident in what they know and they're willing to question everything. But that also provided her with a sense of one skill set that she's really good at and she can want to excel. But the other thing is she was able to learn multiple aspects of that, if you want to call it that knowledge journey, because you say she learned history, 
and she learned, she taught piano. But what I was trying to get back to earlier is our schooling system in the United States, it's basically you're a sheep and you're being led and you're being told what to do. And there's not free thinking there. When individuals come to us, when they're ready to, they think they're ready to buy a home, nine out of 10 times, they're not even close because they have horrible credit or they've got past due amounts. They've got wage garnishments. I've gone even to the part of, I had to go negotiate with a local pimp on the corner somewhere to be able to get a debt paid off. It's just oh, man, that bad. Goes- Extreme lengths and more power to you. Early aughts, I facilitated plan writing classes for women and minority-owned business owners for accelerated loan programs and as well as micro-lending programs. And it was surprising. I agree with you. There's this lack of understanding, the, and yet there's still records, right? And so yeah. pulling all of those things out and putting them together and teaching them how to put them in order and present them appropriately. And then we had a, a combination of banks and some federal funding that we offered then microloans after they wrote their business plan, presented it to their loan circle, which was the peers that they had in the class. And as long as they could make sense in presenting it, then we gave them initial micro. And there were three different levels of them starting at I think 500 going up to 3,000. And then by that time, they had a two-year history that then could be used to present to the banks for the larger official microloan, right, which is around $20,000, $25,000. And so we gave out hundreds of them during the process. So there was this, like you were saying, and like you were saying, there's the literacy of understanding all the nuances and what needs to be in place and things like this. It just wasn't there. So they didn't get that education until class ranged from 25 year old to 60 year olds. The, yeah. The thing that I was going to get to and finish up was that specifically these individuals will come to us to buy these homes, but nine out of 10 times, they were not credit worthy. And then they wanted us to do the work because they felt like they couldn't actually do it. And to empower them, to show them that they can change their credit, change their financial future is probably one of the biggest rewarding aspects of what I've done because it shows them that they're not left behind and they're part of society, but it allows them to share their winnings and their educational pro their, I got need more coffee today, educational progress with their own kids. It's generational. I have one gentleman that was a longtime renter, bought a house, learned how to balance a checkbook, which most people listening to this podcast don't understand what a checkbook is, and then was able to show his kids how to be financially savvy to be able to start saving at a young age because they were, he actually had them doing side hustles or jobs when they were like 12 or 13 years old. This is about five or six years ago. And now they've got full-time jobs and now they're looking to start their own businesses. And that right. to me, that's winter chicken dinner for me. That's just in the car out there. You bet. And as that's a rare case in society. However, I will acknowledge that what you're doing as far as the empowerment, the education, and it gives people a sense of not just freedom of foundation and accomplishment for themselves. And, and so that self-deprecating voice that had been in their head for whoever, <laughs> for however yeah, for a long time, yeah, was able to shift into, oh gosh, I can do it.
but it took a lot of, it took a lot of convincing at first, but what I'm trying to get to and down the road is that's a bigger problem that we have in society. It's if it, if you, like I said earlier, the video, I go back to it because it's the biggest one I hear and see on a daily basis. I put out a video, it doesn't go viral. I give up. That seems to be a system, a systematic issue that we have with mm. technology, but also with society, because we don't want to work and put, like you said earlier, to be vulnerable in our situations, to be able to push forward, to accomplish whatever that is, whether it's a passion or you want to get a new job or you want to move and buy a house, whatever it is, we right. seem to give up too soon. Oh, we absolutely. And right before success is imminent, right? In, yes. in a lot of cases, because it's the tenacity that gets us through. There's a couple of things. One, I reminded of the five P's, patience, perseverance, persistence, passion, and purpose. And those five elements, of course, there's a sixth, and that's practice. Because you don't apply to work less. And yet, in that understanding, yes, you're putting out videos. It's one thing. However, if you're going to be successful, you've got to find somebody that's been successful and figure out how they did it. Yes. Yeah. Or at least understand there is a process to this. And with all these people and all these success stories, especially now, there are almost identical processes each one of them have gone through. Different topics and things like that, right? However, there's a process to it. And you've got to understand all of the things, all the tools that are available to assist with that process in order to get your video seen by others. It's not just mm -hmm. a competition for eyeballs. It's an understanding of how to get those eyeballs. And the competition goes away. See, that's where I'm a little different is I don't worry about competition. I only worry about myself. I want everybody to succeed, exactly. but I have to focus on what I'm doing. But I love what you said was you need to seek out others that have been in your situation and learn how they got out of that situation. And it's a joke I run with myself is who's sitting at my table? Who's sitting at my table? And I joke because there's sometimes there's people sitting at your table that aren't going to help you. And you have to decide, do I continue to let that person sit at my table or not. And the running joke is, how good are they? That's what it really boils down to is, are they a good person? And I know that sounds bad, but it's truly the type of people I want to be surrounded with. And I initially, when I started this journey, I thought people that were successful on the outside were also successful on the inside. And that's not true. And I had to learn that the hard way because I had some people really mess me over. Sure. And it's just, it is. And in that process, there's also not just the time involved and the tenacity. There's the understanding that it takes that the, the aspects of learning, the development of the intelligence to, to do those things, the incremental development through all the perceived failures and moving forward to get to the place where you're actually having the success, but the inner side of that comes with the patience and perseverance, the, the willingness to be curious, to be vulnerable, to 
recognize you don't know everything. You may know a lot, but there are still things that you don't know and to seek out those who do, to develop relationships, to understand that they are, there is a nature within people that they genuinely want to get along and trust each other. Yeah. And then trade creates that because if you're not doing good business, you're not going to be in business. Now, those people at the table, this is another thing that we don't recognize. And because we want to be loyal and considerate and loving towards one another, and I think that's our inherent nature, the fear gets in the way of that. However, you're going to have multiple circles, multiple tables of people throughout your life. And what was there 20 years ago is likely not to be there today because you've made some discerning choices and the natural evolution of the relationships have moved on. You gather a people or a group of people together for a short amount of time and you do certain things in that time that moves you forward. Once that time is over, it's a time and a season for everything, right? Once that time and season is done, then that group will dissipate more than likely. There might be one or two that you carry forward, but the majority of them are going to leave your life and you may not ever see them again. You need to be able to get comfortable with that and not feel regret, remorse, or any kind of self-deprecating, oh, the, the, what did I do to cause that? No, this is just a natural progression of your own development. And it's that way for everyone. But we want to grab together a group of people early on in life and want to stick with them through the rest of our lives. Sometimes that works. Most often it doesn't. You're correct. It most often doesn't. The great thing that comes out of this in this journey of life and evolving with who's at your table is you can truly see who the people are and what benefit you bring to them and vice versa. And when that's not a two-way relationship, I think we, like you said, we have those thoughts. They're like, okay, why did this happen? I've got to the point I've shifted in life to great. That person got me to here. I learned a great deal to that point. Now, how do I go to the next step? And that's a planning thing I'm still working on because I know that there's other things for me to do that I need to focus on. I just don't know how to get there, but there's stepping stones to get there. There are. And some of them, from the internal and external perspective, the internal one is gratitude. Yes. Yes. That soul, S-O-U-L and S-O-L-E, that soul effort will make a huge difference because when you have gratitude, you, there are no regrets. There's no judgments. There's no criticism. There's simply gratitude. And the other things are what get in the way. Yeah. You carry those and they're disturbing. So you're going to be disturbed. Why? You've learned, have the gratitude for the learning, realize that it was perfect in however it was. And that's real tough one to get because there's all these emotional attachments to outcome, right? And then you have to be able to let go of those. This is where the vulnerability comes in and be fearless in moving forward. Okay. Nobody's here. All right. Next. But it, that's true. It's what has to happen is it has to be a clean slate and be able to move forward. And we don't, I don't, the best way I know how to describe it and I deal with on a daily basis 
people don't understand that life evolves, one, and two, it's okay to say, I have to move on. It doesn't make you a bad person. But the other aspect of it is that's you growing mm -hmm. internally and externally. And there's something on the other side of that's going to come to you. You just have to be open and willing to accept it. Sure. Now, here's the difference in perhaps the majority of the population. There's no curiosity for learning more. Yeah. They're satisfied with what they have. They've got what they need. They're, they've made, they've got their membership card in <laughs> the club and that's all they wanted. And so they go no further. And I can understand how that is satisfying because you've got life in order. You've got your stuff. However, stuff is not life. Life no. about the relationships you build with the stuff. And not only that, but the relationship with others, with nature, with the cosmos. And we're just beginning to explore the depths of what that really is in the discoveries that are being made with quantum physics and various other um, fields of study in consciousness. There's a gal from Russian gal. She's a Russian academian. Now the academian status for them is the top of their national science academy title. She's got degrees in microbiology and astrophysics. And she's been studying the, a decade of discoveries about how what she's calling a bio-spiritual evolution in humanity is actually taking, a pla taking place. There's science behind it. So if there's science behind it, then maybe we ought to take a closer look at what else might be there for us in order to understand it. Because religion sure has failed in bringing this all together. It's true. So how, Very do, we, true. how do we bridge them? The spirituality, which is the interconnectedness, is beyond the sectarianism of religion. And yet every platform, every religion has certain precepts at their core, which at a basic level is just loving and being loved. What's so hard about that? There isn't. And that is a good place to, for us to slow down and exit here. We're coming to the end of the episode. Before we do, how can everyone get a hold of you? I, you've got some great wisdom and insight in what you're doing. I know there's people going to want to get a hold of you. Awesome. And thank you for having me, Ryan. First off, the podcast is called One World in a New World. It's on YouTube and it's subtitled the Apocalyptic Chats. <laughs> yeah. And they are. Now, apocalypse actually means unveiling of knowledge. Doesn't mean catastrophic events. Okay. So that's been a mis misperception in the public for many years. The other is zenbenefiel.com. It's got a collection. It's my digital vitae and all my contact information is there. And I'm more than willing to be available. One of the other things, the, I mentioned the executive director position, liveandletlive.org is our movement site. Liveandletlivenonprofit.org is our foundation site. And I'm available on, in all those places. And thank you. I, wish. I really appreciate you're, it. You're more than welcome. I will share those in the show notes so people can get a hold of you. Thank you for the conversation. It's been healthy. I love what you're doing, but also 
you're putting the word out there and helping us become, I say, better humans, better people. I, it's just live a better life also. So and that's really near, near to my heart. Thank you, Ryan. And this has been really wonderful. Our, I'll leave it with moral principle, what we refer to that in the movement, be an excellent human. Love it. Thank you very much, sir. You're welcome, Ryan. Thank you. Uh,